Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew 24 and also in uh, Mark 13 and Luke 21 with the people living in the last portion of the end times before his physical return would see and experience. I wonder, is that us now? Well, certainly we appear to be moving toward the end, and I think I can safely say we are moving toward the end. How close we are, I don't know. But let's find out what Jesus says, starting in Matthew 24, verses 3 through 7 here. Now, as he, Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. So basically, the disciples asked him three questions here in the text that I just read. First, when will these things be? Second, what will be the sign of your physical return? And third, when will the end of the age be? Well, the first thing Jesus talks about is deception. He immediately warns the disciples about the coming deception that will clearly happen to allow Antichrist to gain the global throne over the final kingdom of Daniel 2. But notice that Jesus says, many will come in my name and will even claim to be the anointed one, the one for whom the world is waited, the Messiah. These false Christs will deceive many, according to Jesus. Jesus is saying that the level of deception will increase dramatically as the world draws nearer to our Lord's return. Currently, there are so many leaders within Christendom who only a few decades ago were very careful about what they said publicly regarding the Bible, regarding Jesus, regarding God, and other things. But today, they're not afraid to speak their minds filled with falsehoods. These so-called higher critics are nothing more than propagandists for Satan, doing all they can to minimize the importance of the Bible, God, and all things connected to him. Their purpose is to create doubt so that people will lose faith in God and his authoritative word and be directed away from these things. Now, over the past 20 or 30 years or possibly more, these critical deceivers have gained more power and have secretly crept into Bible schools and universities. I recall this very well during my time at what used to be called Eastern Baptist Theological Seminary, which was on the outskirts of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Four professors then immediately come to my mind to this day who called into question the validity of aspects of Scripture. Now, when a student would offer some sort of retort or dissenting opinion, 
I vividly recall the usual response from the professors was a bit of a smirk and a knowing look on his or her face that essentially said, oh, when you grow up, you'll realize that the fairy tales you've been chosen, you've been taught, and you've chosen to believe are just that, fairy tales. Well, needless to say, I transferred to another institution to finish my master's degree. But of course, these deceivers are not just in Bible colleges and universities, but they're also in many churches as leaders and senior pastors. They spend their time injecting human reasoning into why the Bible is not really all that miraculous and why God isn't really involved with people's lives. So the amount of deception heaped on the average churchgoer or Christian today is immense compared to what things were like in the 1960s and 70s when these types of false leaders were, they were part of a fringe. But now they are part of the mainstream, unfortunately. And the saddest thing here is that because so few Christians read and study God's word on a daily basis, most have no real clue what the truth is. So the default way they figure out truth is by looking to their feelings. If it feels good, oh, it must be of God, especially when I'm in church. Now, one of the things that it's important to understand here is that these deceivers are more likely the tares that Jesus speaks of in his wheat and tares parable of Matthew 13, 24 through 30. If you'll note in that parable, it is said to be, quote, an enemy who is Satan who plants the tares, not God. The tares will never be wheat, and wheat will never be tares. Though the two look similar when newly sprouted, once it's harvest time, the differences between the two plants are very clear. And in the end, or the harvest, the tares are gathered in bundles to be what? Burned. While the wheat are gathered and placed safely in the farmer's barn, Matthew 13, 30. Now, in Matthew 15, 13, Jesus kind of alludes to this and reiterates the message after speaking about what defiles a person when he says simply this, quote, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Those are powerful words from our Lord. Now, Jesus specifically warned the disciples and us that deceivers would come during the last portion of the end times. Paul echoed that sentiment, as did Peter, John, and other New Testament writers. It's a very important subject, and one that needs our constant attention. Yet we often ignore the possibility that we can be deceived. All of this growing deception will ultimately lead to the entrance and acceptance of the coming man of sin or Antichrist. That one final satanically infused individual who will lead much of the world astray. And that's what Jesus' main point to his disciples is all about. That's why he warned them to take heed or be totally alert and even to watch for it to happen. It's a sure thing. It's going to happen. Be aware of the possibility. Be aware that it will happen. So be on guard. Our preparations for this day of the revealing of the Antichrist in the works now well, next, Jesus refers to the specific signs that will accompany and even usher in the final years, the final seven years of human history ending in the physical return of, of our Lord. He states that people living in the end times or the end of the end times, quote, will hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled. Now, what is the world seeing and hearing about now? 
wars and rumors of wars, especially where Ukraine, Russia, and other countries are concerned, or what they're calling World War III. Now, in fact, Jesus' next statement clarifies it even more. He says, when we hear of wars and rumors of wars, that we shouldn't be troubled because the end is not yet. In other words, despite the vast amount of negative reporting that indicates, quote, oh, we're all going to die. Well, the plain fact of the matter is that we are not at the end of human history yet. And that's when Jesus physically returns. The end is still in front of us after wars and rumors of wars. That end that Jesus speaks of is both his return and the end of this particular age in which we are living. From here, Jesus lists things that all go under the category he calls beginning of sorrows. In other words, the wars, rumors of wars, and the things he mentions after that are all significant because they will bring the world closer to the actual end. And those things are famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. So Jesus warns us to be on the lookout for wars, rumors of wars, nations rising against nation and kingdoms against kingdoms, as well as famines, pestilences, and earthquakes all over. Even though the world has experienced these things in the past, it seems to me that we are there, or at least nearly there, because we are currently experiencing more wars and rumors of wars and being warned of famines that are to start happening within months in various places throughout the world. And beyond that, pestilences, which are illnesses or pandemics, have also occurred and will continue to occur, whether or not, and there's a lot of arguing about this, whether or not CV was an actual pandemic or not, it certainly was treated as if it was, just as avian flu resulted in the culling, the destruction of millions of chickens and turkeys. We've read of hundreds of thousands of cows dying for no apparent reason, and we've seen one after another after another food processing plant all destroyed by mysterious fires. Beyond all this, natural gas production, as well as oil drilling, are way down for a number of reasons. Some believe the Nord Stream gas pipeline was shuttered due to terrorism, and because of sanctions against Russia, many countries like for instance, the USA are no longer importing Russian exports, gas and oil in an attempt to harm Russia's economy. Now, of course, instead of harming Russia's economy, these sanctions have only worked against the countries issuing them like the USA. Projections recently by Bank of America indicate that the USA is set to lose, ready, 175,000 jobs per month starting in 2023. Inflation is skyrocketing with large percentage point increases in produce, vegetables, and other staples sold by grocery stores. There is a perfect storm developing, created by Satan himself, using human minions to do it, to destroy what currently exists in order to be replaced with something else. Build Back Better, by the way, relies on destroying what exists now. Now, all of these things are really nothing less than artificial constructs. And here's what I mean by that. The problem that global society is experiencing is due to the artificially constructed, very real problems that are being used to overthrow nations, especially the USA. 
Besides everything I've mentioned, just consider how much transgenderism and all forms of LGBTQ plus issues are being promoted. The bulk of it is in the United States. Consider also how child mutilation, gender reassignment surgery is being pushed onto very young people. Again, the bulk of it in the United States. We're also hearing a great deal of transhumanism, which turns out to be a melding or uniting of humanity with machine and technology. And this is ultimately being pushed for eternal life, a way of bypassing God completely. And I firmly believe they want to experiment on humans so they can perfect it and then it will be used in its perfected form on globalists if they get their way. Well, later in Matthew 24, 37 through 39, Jesus speaks about the days of Noah and how those days would repeat themselves in the days just prior to his physical return to this planet. Now, those days were not a pleasant time to be alive because evil filled all minds all the time, all except Noah and his family. No one else appeared to have been at all righteous in any way except Noah and his family. The evil and shedding of blood had become so great that God decided it was simply best to destroy all living things except what was to be saved in the ark and start over with Noah. Interestingly enough, I find this fascinating. Jesus does not mention the tremendous evil of that categorized, uh, that it categorized those days. He simply points out that in spite of all the evil that had become the norm in society, people did the same things that people do today, then. Then they married, they gave in marriage, they ate, drank, strove to be happy. They wanted to be happy. They wanted to have fulfilled lives. None of this, though, is why the world was destroyed. It was destroyed due to violent evil and all the bloodshed that permeated all of society. Yet in spite of that evil, Jesus's point is that people still manage to do the normal things that we do today. And that's exactly what's happening today. Growing corruption, growing evil, and yet people still try to live normal lives. So look what's happening in several parts of the USA, though. Some states are passing laws that will allow mothers to kill their children months after they're born. It's called murder, or it's always been called murder, but now it's not. It's just called abortion. Abortion on demand has taken on new meaning. Life holds no value for so many people today. How can God continue to ignore this? I'm getting beyond the point of being amazed at all that is happening in the world. After all, I cannot truly imagine what Noah's and Lot's worlds were truly like. Can you? Violence, blood, transhumanism, atheism on steroids, warring factions, and all the rest? Well, it seems to me that God's judgment on the entire world occurred the first time in Noah's day, resulting in the deaths of millions and millions of people and all the animals. According to many passages in scripture, God will judge again during the upcoming tribulation, resulting in the deaths of multiple millions of people and animals and the near destruction of this planet. During the great flood of Noah's day, the earth underwent severe geographical changes due to that deluge. And of course, that makes sense. The weight of the water, the way it rushed in, how everything eroded and changed. It's not hard to imagine. We appear to be on the cusp of God's second judgment of this planet, though not by flood. Why? Because the same type of insane global situation exists today 
that existed during Noah's day. Now, unlike Noah's day, or even Lot's for that matter, Christ had not yet come. He had not yet lived and died for the world's sins. His life on earth and his death and resurrection and ascension are all behind us historically. So the remaining final global kingdom can come to fruition and Satan can now give it his best shot in overcoming God, which will still end in abject failure, though he likely believes otherwise. The world is sadly moving toward the final phase, which includes God's judgment. However, having said all of this, I'm also convinced that God is there and will be faithful to those who love him, who prove it by following him and living lives that glorify him. Are you one of them? Am I one of them? Well, thanks so much for joining me today. And I pray until we meet again, God would open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 